Well, college basketball is in the books, and that means those of us who are obsessed with college football can officially turn our attention there. I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Let's welcome on Chip Patterson, the CBS Sports Cover 3 podcast. Those guys do an outstanding job with that show. Uh, Chip, we're in off-season mode here. We're Big 12 fans. We're all pumped about it. What's the the top story that Big 12 fans should be looking out for right now? That Big Twelve fans are talking about. Yeah, or, let's start. I, I do because yeah, I think it's a different conversation than like what do Big Twelve fans think the national heads are talking about, right? Yeah. Because there's the, there's the basics, there's the normies, there's the top level stuff, which is Oklahoma's defense and Oklahoma potentially not only making it to the college football playoff, but being able to take the next step and win a game. Can Oklahoma even contend for a national championship? Additionally, part of the basics, part of the normie conversation, we're looking at Matt Campbell uh, with an Iowa State roster where you return so many all-conference pieces, so many key pieces of the success that we saw last year. A team that had Oklahoma uh, right there in the Big 12 championship game, so, so close from being able to win that Big 12 title after taking down the Sooners. I mean, look, Gary Patterson told us once, and we've repeated it for years and years since then, beating Lincoln once is tough enough. Beating him twice is darn near impossible. And that Iowa State team almost did that very thing. Throw in Steve Sarkeesian, uh, all gas, no breaks at Texas. And and that's really sort of the top-level stuff. I guess, Pete, you could answer this better than me. Like, what of those mid-tier storylines ends up rising uh, to the top. Like, has Oklahoma State, after a bunch of uh, off-season college football playoff hype and not really being able to capitalize on that, Mm -hmm. did they just, you know, sink back to the middle group uh, after TCU has a little bit of a disappointing and disjointed season? Is Gary Patterson able to have the rebound that we have seen so many times throughout his career? Is Texas Tech poised for a step forward? And if so, you know, what is that going to look like, particularly at the quarterback position? Uh, you know, I think that there's a, a lot to like from the middle tier, which is really, really strong there in, in the Big 12. And uh, the, the top tier, again, gives us enough headlines that it is, as it is from a national perspective. So uh, I'll throw it back to you. Like, what do you think in the hearts of the Big 12 fans, are they already over – we getting excited about Sark? Are we tired of, of talking about Oklahoma and Iowa State? Like, what's really resonating uh, with your list? Well, I, I would say this, Chip. I think you're spot on in terms of the top of the conference. It's, it's Oklahoma, Iowa State, and, and then it's kind of everybody else. Um, I, I think for most fans, they're probably saying with Texas, I mean, we've seen this song and dance how many times in the past decade? This is the year. New head coach. Lots of hype. And it doesn't work out. Now, I don't know about you. I was not on the Sark bandwagon early on. I said, geez, you know, Tom Herman, uh, he came within a whisker of getting to another Big 12 championship game. The Oklahoma loss was quadruple overtime. The Iowa State loss was close. He dominated the Alamo Bowl. But now I'm seeing Sark and what they're doing on the recruiting trail. It's a different vibe. I was talking to guys down in Austin about that last week. It's a different vibe down there. And now I'm all in on Steve Sarkeesian. What about you? So, big picture, all in. I totally get that. The staff that he put together, top of the line. Um, not only who he was able to get to come with them from Tuscaloosa, but you go and get Pete Kwiatkowski. You go and get Jeff Choate, 
Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more concerned about the personnel, you know, like Joseph Saigon, Jawan Mitchell in the transfer portal, uh, some of the turnover that we've had on the back end of that defense as well. I was reading through a lot of these spring practice reports, and there's a lot of names that, you know, you look at it and it's like four-star recruit, in-state guy, played sparingly or played as a rotation player, and the coaches are feeling good about his chances to step up. And there's just a lot of uh, spring optimism that I think that I'm a little bit more in a wait-and-see mode, especially after very highly recruited uh, players for Texas on the defensive side of the ball that have come in, and we really felt like that group. Now, granted, I know that they've had injury issues. I know they've had personnel issues for a long time. I do think that uh, you're looking at that side of the ball as being, for me, the most concerned. Like, I – I'm less concerned about the quarterback battle that they've got going on. I am uh, less concerned about offensively where they're at. I think that they'll be able to get uh, contributions at the wide receiver position to answer those questions. And obviously, Bijan Robinson is one of the top all-purpose players in the entire country. Mm-hmm. I think that for all the great coaches that they have on the defensive side of the ball, whether or not they get some real good production and execution – because, man, that Texas defense, like, it's, it wasn't even like the classic tackling complaints. I mean, sometimes you're just out of place. You know, it just it looked like the execution was really poor. So, for a lot of those players, again, like the, the profile that I feel like you can copy and paste for about half the two-deep depth chart on the defensive side of the ball is, you know, in-state guy, four-star prospect, coaches are feeling good about the progress that he's made. If they can, you know, get that up, shore it up, and uh, and have it playing at a high level, I'm I'm not ruling out Texas to be on that tier with Oklahoma and Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Before we keep it rolling with Chip, just a reminder: we've got free Heartland College Sports koozies for you when you leave a rating and review on the show, and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You know the other uh, mid-tier storyline that I. It, this will never get national attention. I, I just, it, and that's not a knock on it. It's just the TCU football program. It's a private school. It's never going to get the attention, even in the Big Twelve, that uh, you know it might deserve to get based on its recent success. But we're now three years running of mediocrity for Gary Patterson. I mean, that's that's unheard of during his time in Fort Worth. I, you know, Gary Patterson's got a statue, right? So he's not going anywhere. But. What do you think about that? I mean, the defense has been so good every year, but they just can't figure out that offense ever since Trevon Boykin, Chip. I mean, is that something that – do you think there should be pressure on, on Gary Patterson, or is he just still a guy that's untouchable no matter what? I think there should be pressure. Um, I think that the expectations don't necessarily need to be high for there to be pressure. I think that you can ask for better performance. And I think that for a team that, um, you know, you mentioned like when we had TCU and Baylor right there at the top in 2014, when TCU is making it to the Big 12 championship game, once we bring the conference championship game uh, going toe-to-toe, though Oklahoma won that game handily off the top of my head if I was to remember it Mm -hmm. correctly. But, yeah, I think that you need to look for a spike. Uh, you need to look for a big jump up in performance. And I don't even know if necessarily 
the the defensive side of the ball has been all that great. And, and that's really where I think we're going to be looking at TCU is for Gary Patterson, who's made some staff changes on the offensive side of the ball, and um, he's, he's mixed things up just a little bit. It, if that defense is getting um, beat by what? I don't know, the top three or four offenses in the Big 12, then that advantage – the, the game planning advantage, the scheme advantage, the idea that we consider Gary Patterson to be someone who can help you win uh, in the preparation on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but also at halftime going in and making the adjustments. If, if he is no longer, according to the results, plus value added in that area, then I think there should be some pressure. So I'm actually less – in terms of the pressure specifically on the man – I am less concerned about the offense than his calling card because if he's not able to get it done at – like if he doesn't have his fastball, then we need to start having that conversation. Yeah, that's a really good point. Chip Patterson, Cover 3 Podcast, CBS Sports is joining us. Chip, there are three coaches that I'm looking at. I mean, we talk about coaches that might have a warmer seat. I don't think anyone's – maybe Matt Wells is truly on a hot seat at Texas Tech, but – I want to see what Matt Wells and Neil Brown can do in year three, trying to take the next step with their programs. And then I wonder about Dave Aranda at Baylor. I mean, I know it's only year two, first-time head coach, pandemic, all that stuff, no spring, barely any summer practice, lots of games get canceled for him early in the season. It's a tough spot. But of those three programs for you, looking at it from a national perspective, which one intrigues you the most and why? West Virginia, Neil Brown. I I thought that they lose a lot on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, when Neil Brown was hired, you weren't thinking like, oh, Neil Brown's squad's going to have a great defense. But I think that that group did a phenomenal job. And I kind of think that uh, Jared Davies is an all right quarterback. Like, I think we debated on the Cover 3 podcast. We were like, so where is Jared Davies? Rank him against the other Big 12 quarterbacks. And, you know, at your most optimistic, you could call him like a top like the number four, you know, at your most pessimistic, he's probably down there around number six. And so there's a lot of intrigue where it, it's tough to figure out exactly what West Virginia can be offensively, what that ceiling can be with Beggy as the quarterback. But I thought the Mountaineers were a solid football team last year. So to answer your question, West Virginia of that, that trio is the one that's most interesting. I think it would be a mistake to move on from Matt Wells so quickly. You know, we've been doing on the Cover 3 podcast, we go back, uh, we did the coaching carousel of 2017-2018. We recently went back and did the coaching carousel of 2016-2017. And in the early signing period era, moving quickly on a coach might be able to satisfy the fan base, but it really sets your program back uh, in recruiting in a major, major way. That's what Florida State's dealing with right now. That's what Arkansas is going to be dealing with. It, It is tough if you fire a head coach after just, uh, two seasons or maybe even three seasons and expect that your next hire is not going to be inheriting a real uphill battle when it comes to the recruiting trail. So I would hope that that seat for Matt Wells is, uh, you know, not necessarily too warm uh, as we sit here and we wait and see how things look on the field in 2021. And to your point about Baylor, uh, I mean, swing and a miss with, you know, I'm, I'm based here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, did a lot of interviews uh, with, you know, a lot of work with Larry Fedora, but a swing and a miss of a hire uh, for Larry Fedora because that offense is bad. Yeah. And he's out after just one season. 
You go get Jeff Grimes uh, from BYU after a fantastic year. So here's what I'm looking at from uh, Jeff Grimes, new Baylor offensive coordinator. So he's got good offensive line background, and clearly he was calling the plays and, and putting together the game plan for Zach Wilson, which, hey, pretty good season for the guy. Uh, did good for himself. Not expecting Baylor to have a BYU kind of offense, but I'm expecting them to have solid offensive line play once they're able to, you know, maybe get a season or two with Grimes in the fold. But, you know, Larry Fedora, like Dave Aranda, like so many year one coaches, it's tough that they didn't have the spring practice. They didn't even have the offseason workouts. Very difficult to install an offense over Zoom. Jeff Grimes will have that advantage that Larry Fedora didn't. But still, Baylor was just awful offensively. And so I will be looking at Jeff Grimes' offense. And I know that we've got, you know, two quarterbacks there. Neither one of them are going to make you think that they are going to be battling with Jared Dagey for number four to number six quarterback in the Big 12 necessarily. But if that offense uh, takes even some marginal steps forward, then you at least look at Dave Aranda, who came in with his own questions about like making that jump from defensive coordinator to head coach and uh, the the lessons that he was going to have to learn on the job, trial by fire and all that. I think that if the offense is able to show some improvement, that's a plus sign for Baylor. That's a plus sign for Dave Aranda. And then uh, we can start to talk about how the Bears can start to move up in the pecking order. I can't let you go, Chip, without asking what the hell do you do if you're Kansas right now? Mm. <laughs> I, you know what I like we were I was just joking about this you know uh, like Kansas calls up Coastal Carolina coach Jamie Chadwell and Jamie Chadwell says I'm 2-0 and against you guys you think I'm gonna come yeah. like I yeah. mean yeah it's like it's tough I, hey I don't know if you're taking straw polls Pete but throw mm. me in the uh go hire Jeff Monk and run the triple option or go hire Willie Fritz and run his more modified version which is kind of not really triple option, but it certainly has some of those same option principles being run, at least uh, last year with Tulane, being run a little bit more out of shotgun. So consider me uh, among the many who have called for Kansas to make a move where you, you know, zig when everyone else zags, uh, go the, the Georgia Tech route, like go with something that no one else is doing so that you at least get that advantage for uh, some for competitively where everyone has to prepare specifically for you and it's going to cause uh, enough concern such that you might be able to uh, to get one over on a couple of teams and notch a couple Big 12 wins. He's Chip Patterson, does a great job at CBS Sports and the Cover 3 podcast covering college football. Uh, Chip, I'm already excited. I know it's April. I'm already excited for uh, some more preseason hype. I know it's it's months away, but it feels good to talk about it, man, and we appreciate you being here. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Great stuff, as always, with Chip Patterson. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. It's great to have you guys here each and every week. Do us a real solid, if you can. Leave me a rating and a review on this podcast, and I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. Yes, I got a koozie for you when you leave me a rating and review on this show and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate everything you guys do for us. Uh, Couldn't do it without you, with you spreading the word, telling friends, telling family, and leaving a rating and a review. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next week.